Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Turn Page Podcast. I'm your host, Arinish, with another book review. So today, the story I have with me as we prepare for the new year is written by Leo Tolstoy, who lived from 1828 to 1910. This story is, was written and first published in 1872, also translated as Exiled to, Serp, to Siberia, 1887. The version here is taken from the collection 23 Tales, 1906, translated by Louis and Aylmer Maud. The story was adapted into Katha Sagar, an Indian television series directed by Shyam Binigal. So, the story I have with me is God Sees the Truth But Waits. I've got a teapot of coffee with me. However, we pour ourselves some while I fix the fire. And let's begin our conversation. So, the person or the protagonist of the story is a merchant named Ivan Dmitrich Askyonov. He lived in the town of Vladimir and had two shops and a house of his own. He was a handsome, fair-haired, curly-haired fellow, as I read from the story, full of fun and very fond of singing. When quite a young man, he had been given to drink and was riotous when he had had too much. But after he married, they gave up drinking except now and then. So the story ends, the story starts with Askyonov going to the Nizhny fair one summer. And as he bade goodbye to his family, his wife said to him, Ivan Dmitrich, do not start today. I have had a bad dream about you. Askyonov laughed and said, You are afraid that when I get to fair, I shall go on the spree. His wife replied, You must understand, gravely. I do not know what I am afraid of. All I know is that I had a bad dream. I dreamt you returned from the town. And when you took off your cap, I saw that to hear it was quite grey. At this reply, Askuna laughed outright. That's a lucky sign, said he. See if I don't sell out all of my goods and bring you some presents from the fair. Now, we men usually consider ourselves to be so smart. That we consider women to be stupid. But oh no! Women can be much more than what meets the eye. And her dream, little did Askyanov know, would in a certain way come true in bad aspects. So he said goodbye to his family and 
great. Now he had traveled halfway and he met a merchant whom he knew and they put up in the same inn for the night. Quite simple. If you find a friend, you invite them to the same inn that you'll stay. And if they find a room, you sleep there for the night, right? And they had some tea together and then went to bed and adjoining. Who doesn't? Now it was not Askyonov's habit to sleep late and wishing to travel while it was still cool, he aroused his driver before dawn and told him to put in the horses. Now that's quite that's quite sensible. Then he made his way across the landlord of the who lived in a cottage at the back, paid his bill and continued his journey. And after going for about twenty-five miles, he stopped for the horses to be fed, while Askyonov rested in a passage of the inn. After which, he stepped out into the porch and ordered a samovar to be heated. Got out his guitar and began to play. Now, you listeners will be confused and will ask yourself. What's the samovar? No, it's not a surname. Of course not. It's an urn in which water can be heated and kept on the boil. So, if we look at the meaning of samovar, literally, in Russian it means self-boiler. Fun fact, this was like a portable kettle that every Russian merchant would have during those times. Suddenly, we come back to the scene, a troika drove up with tinkling bells and an official alighted, followed by two merchants, by two soldiers, must correct myself. Reading from this paragraph, he came to Askyonov and began to question him, asking him who he was and whence he came. Askyonov answered him fully and said, Won't you have some tea with me? But the official went on cross questioning him and asking him, Where did you spend last night? Were you alone or with a fellow merchant? Did you see the other merchant this morning? Why did he leave the inn before dawn? Askyonov wondered why he was asked all these questions, but he described all that had happened and then added, Why do you cross-question me as if I were a thief or a robber? I'm travelling on business of my own and there's no need to question. The official calling soldiers said, I am the police officer of the district and I'm questioning because the merchant with whom you spent last night has been found with his throat cut. We must search your things. They entered the house, the soldier and the police officer unstrapped Askyonov's luggage and searched it. Suddenly the officer drew off a knife out of a bag crying, Whose knife is this? Now, taken by surprise, Askyonov looked and saw a blood-stained knife taken from his back. I mean, who wouldn't? If, in the middle of a questioning where you know that you're innocent and have nothing to do with a murder, suddenly see a blood-stained knife. How is it there is blood on this knife? As you're not trying to answer here, but I mean, we can like relate to the situation whenever we're taken by shock 
we start stuttering and similarly here he could art he could hardly utter a word and only stammered ah i don't know not mine then the police officer said of course jumping to conclusions this morning the merchant was found in bed with his throat cut and you're the only person who could have done it the lo- house was locked from inside and no one else was there there here is a blood stained knife in your bag and your face and manner betray you tell me how you killed him and how much money you stole Now he has given off sword he had not done it and that he had not seen the merchant after they had had tea put together that he had no money except 8000 rubles of his own and the knife was not his but his voice was broken face pale and he trembled with fear as though he were guilty and then before we go on rubles rubles are like a certain type of, was like a certain type of currency during those times now the value of the ruble has varied at different times from more than 3 shillings to less than 2 shillings for the purpose of ready calculation it may be taken as 2 shillings in reading these stories the word florin could be substituted for ruble if preferred now The police officer ordered the soldiers to bind Askyonov and to put him in the cart. As they tied his feet together and flung him into the cart, as they tied his feet together and flung him into the cart, Askyonov crossed himself and went. His money and goods were taken from him, and he was sent to the nearest town and imprisoned there. Inquiries as to his character were made in Vladimir, and the merchants and other inhabitants of the town said that in former days he used to drink and waste his time, but that he was a good man. The trial came on. He was charged with murdering a merchant from Ryazan, and robbed him of twenty thousand rubles. Now, when a family member is charged guilty in such situations, but is in fact innocent. The family members despair, and would of course not know whether they should believe their own blood or the law. Similarly, his wife was in despair and did not know what to believe. Her children were all small; one was a baby at her breast. Taking them all with her, she went to the town where her husband was in gaol. At first, she was not allowed to see him, but after much begging, she obtained permission from the officials and was taken to him. When she saw her husband in prison dress and chains, shattered by thieves and criminals, she fell down and did not come to her senses for a long time. Such a sad scene. Nothing good. not she was a figure of sadness and nothing could console her then she drew her children to her and sat down near him she told him everything at home and asked her about what had happened to him he told her all and she asked what can we do now here askyonov replied we must petition the tsar not to let an innocent man perish 
To this, his wife rebuked him, rebuked him that he had sent a petition, but that it had not been accepted. Askinov did not reply, but only looked downcast. Now, we come back to that same dream, which is mentioned by his wife. It was not for nothing I dreamt your hair had turned grey. You remember? You should have not started that day, and passing her fingers through his hair, she said. Vanya, dearest, tell your wife the truth. Was it not, no, it was not you who did it? Now cried Askinov. So you too suspect me, and hiding his face in his hands, he began to weep. Then a soldier came to say that the wife and children must go away, and Askinov had to say goodbye to his family for the last time. When they were gone, as I read from the story, Askinov recalled what had been said, and when he remembered that his wife also had suspected him, he said to himself, It seems that only God can know the truth. It is to him alone we must appeal, and from him alone expect mercy. And Askinov wrote no more petitions, gave up all hope, and only prayed to God. He in later times, was condemned to be flogged and sent to the mines. So, yes, he was flogged with a knout, and when wounds made by the knout were healed, he was driven to Siberia with other convicts. And from this, we are able to understand the initial title of the story, Exiled to Serbia, to Siberia. For 26 years, for 26 long years, he lived as a convict in Siberia. His hair turned white as snow, and his beard grew long, thin, and gray. All his mirth went. He stooped. He walked slowly, spoke little, and never laughed. But he often prayed. If we must say so, if Reni Gossini had seen this convict, don't you think that this would be inspiration to the druid get a fix in the series Asterix? I mean, really? Get a fix had a long, thin beard, and he was also old. He was quite serious, and except for only one edition where we see that he went crazy. We can say that Ketafix resembles Askirnov as a convict in some ways, but of course. He didn't have magic on his hands that he could prove that he wasn't guilty. However, magic can help and it's all very well, but in reality, magic at times is not that helpless and is just a figure of imagination. Hmm? Now in prison, what's that he say? Why yes, you will have another drop of coffee and the fireplace needs more wood. So here you go your coffee and 
Look at the fire spitting away, giving its warmth to us as we sit in our comfy armchairs in front of the fireplace. Oh well. Ask you enough now in prison, learned to make boots and earned a little money with which he bought the lives of the saints. He read this book when there was light enough in the prison and on Sundays in the prison church, he read the lessons and sang in the choir for his voice was still good. The prison authorities like Askyonov for his meekness. Mind you, Gedefix was not meek, if I must say so. And his fellow prisoners respected him. Thus, they called him grandfather and the saint. When they wanted to petition the prison authorities about anything, they always made Askyonov the spokesman. And when there were quarrels among the prisoners, they came to him to put things right and to judge the matter. No news, sadly, reached Askyonov from his home. And I didn't even know if his wife and children were still alive. What could he expect? 26 years passed since he saw his wife and children lost. The children must have forgotten him, being they were still small. Their mother must have already died, or is old, too old to recognize Askinov. When the fresh gang of convicts came to the prison, the evening the old colored prisoners collected around the new ones and asked them what towns or villages they came from and what they were sentenced from. Among the rest, Askinov sat down near the newcomers and listened with downcast air to what was said. Then one of the new convicts, a Tall, strong man, sixty, with a closely cropped grey beard, was telling the others what he had been arrested for. Now, let's hear this man's account for what, and for what trivial purposes, probably, could a man be sentenced in Russia during those dang times? Well, friends, he said. I only took a horse that was tied to a sledge and I was arrested and accused of stealing. I said I had only taken it to get home quicker and had then let it go. Besides, the driver was a personal friend of mine, so I said it's all right. No, said they. Yo, stole it. But how or where I stole it, they could not say. I once really did something wrong and ought by rights to have come here long ago. At that time, I was not found out. Now I have been sent here for nothing at all. Eh, but it's lies I'm telling you. I have been to Siberia before, but I did not stay long. Where are you from? From Vladimir. He replied. My family are of that town. My name is Makar, and they also call me Semyonich. Askyonov raised his head, of course, because his hometown has been mentioned. Tell me, Semyonich, do you know anything of the merchants Askionov of Vladimir? Are they still alive? 
know them? Of course I do. The Asgirnoks are rich, though their father in Siberia. A sinner like ourselves, it seems. As for your granddad, how did you come here? Asgirnoks did not like to speak of his misfortune. He only sighed and said, For my sins, I have been in prison these 26 years. What sins? But Asgirnoks simply said, Well, well, I must have deserved it. You'd have said no more, but his companions told the newcomer how Askyonov came to be in Siberia. How someone had killed a merchant and then put a knife among Askyonov's things, and thus he had been unjustly condemned. When Makar Semyonich heard this, he looked at Askyonov, slapped his own knee, and exclaimed, Well, this is wonderful, really wonderful. But how old have grown, Grandad? The others asked why he was so surprised and where he had seen Askionov before, but Makasemyonich did not reply. He only said, It's wonderful that we should meet here, lads. Now, the mystery behind Makasemyonich, of course, in what intrigue us that what is that thing that he really did wrong long ago but got away with it and then later on was as he says destined to meet with Askyonov let's see let's see and let's move on but what happens next These words that Makasemyonich sounded made Askyonov wonder whether this man knew who had killed the merchant. So he said, Of course, because he's from Vladimir. He has been in Vladimir and surrounding countryside for the past 26 years and must be knowing something with the other about this person. Who killed the merchant and got him to face the unjust consequences? Perhaps, Semyonich, he asked away, You have heard of that affair or maybe you have seen me before? <coughs> so, how could I help hearing the world full of rumors? But it's long ago and I have forgotten what I heard. Perhaps you heard who killed the merchant? asked Askyonov. Now he laughed and replied. Of course, same image. It must have been him in whose bag the knife was found. If someone else hid the knife there, he's not a, he's not a thief until he's caught, as the saying is. How could anyone put a knife in your bag while it is under your head? It would surely have woken you up. A certain psychology in words if somebody asks whether somebody has done this or not instead of giving a simple answer of yes or no they further explain instead which is actually not required to the question but 
whenever somebody's guilty or has done something in order to swallow their guilt they talk much much and they also talk much more away from the subject itself but yet it is connected i i being a student am not able to explain the psychology or this this study which can further help in understanding whether somebody is guilty for something but people or graduates who are familiar with the subject can give us further information about what could be the reason that askeronov conclude that makasemunich was the one who had killed the merchant so let's move on so he rose and went away of course we're talking about askeronov he felt terribly unhappy and all sorts of images rose in his mind as he lay awake that night there was a image of his wife beautiful wife as she was when he parted from her to go to the fair he saw her as if she represented such an images hallucinations such eyes a face and her eyes rose before him he heard her speak and laugh one with a little cloak on he saw his children quite little as they were at that time another at his mother's breast then he remembered himself as he used to be young and merry he remembered how he sat playing the guitar and the portrait of the inn where he was arrested and how free from care he had been he saw in his mind a place where he was flogged the executioner and the people standing around the chains to convict all the 26 years of his prison life and that his premature old age the thought of it made him so wretched that he was ready to kill himself and it's all that villain's doing thought askeronov and his anger was so great against makasemunich that he longed for vengeance even if he himself should perish for it he kept repeating prayers all night but he could get no peace during the day he did not go near makasemunich nor even look at him a fortnight passed in this way askeronov could not sleep at night and was so miserable that he did not know what to do Now time passed and one night as he was walking about the prison he noticed some words that came rolling out from under one of the cells on which the prisoner slept he stopped to see what it was suddenly makasemunich crept out from under the shelf and looked up at askeronov with frightened face he tried to pass without looking at him but makasemunich his hand and told him that he had dug a hole under the wall getting rid of the earth by pouring it into his high boots and emptying it out every day on the road when the prisoners were driven to the work just you keep quiet old man and you shall get out too if you blab they'll flog the life out of me but i will kill you first now what 
could you expect a man to react in front of his enemy who had unjustly made him face the consequences and then making him keep his mouth shut so that the other can escape? There will be anger, quite anger, because there is injustice and further injustice. So Askarov trembled with anger as he looked at his enemy. He drew his hand away saying, I have no wish to escape and you have no need to kill me. You killed me long ago. As to telling of you, I may do so or not as God shall direct. Next day, when the convicts were led out to work, the convoy no- soldiers noticed that one or other of the prisoners emptied some earth out of their boots. Prisoner, the prison was searched and a tunnel found. The governor came and questioned all the prisoners to find out who had dug the hole. They all denied any knowledge of it. Those that knew would not betray Mankas unit, knowing he would be flogged almost dead. At last, the governor turned to Askyonov, whom he knew to be a just man, and said, You are a truthful old man. Tell me before God who dug the hole. Mankas stood as if he were quite unconcerned, looking at the governor, not so much as glancing at Askyonov. Askyonov's lips and hands, on the other hand, trembled, and for a long time he could not utter a word. He thought, why should I screen him who ruined my life? Let him pay for what I suffered. But if I tell, they will probably flog the life out of him, and maybe I suspect him wrongly. And after all, what good would it be to me? Well, old man, repeated the governor, tell us the truth. Who had been digging under the wall? Askyonov glanced at Semyonich. But let's take a break. Coming back, I, in fact, had been making another pot of coffee for you and was bringing more wood. This, the interruption in between. Now you must be wondering, what did Askyonov say? He said, I cannot say, Your Honor. It is not God's will that I should tell. Do what you like with me, I am in your hands. However much the governor said or tried, Askyonov would say no more, and so the matter had to be left. Now that very night, Askyonov was lying on his bed and just beginning to doze when someone came quickly and sat down on his bed. He peered through the darkness and recognized Maka. Now, of course, when somebody tries to break his sleep and comes in the middle of the night, you would be irritated. And in the same note, Askyonov asked, What more do you want of me? Why have you come here? Maka Semyonich was silent. So Askyonov sat up and said, what do you want? Go away or I will call the guard. Makasemunis bent close over Askyonov and whispered, Ivan Dimitrich, forgive me. What for? asked Askyonov. It was I who had killed the merchant and hid the knife among your things. I meant to kill you too, but I heard a noise outside. So I hid the knife in your bag and escaped out of the window. Askyonov was silent and did not know what to say. Makasemunis slid off the bedshelf and knelt upon the ground. Ivan Dimitrich, 
said he. Forgive me for the love of God. Forgive me. I'll confess that it was I who killed the merchant and you'll be released and go to your home. It is easy for you to talk, replied Askyonov. This conversation can change our life. And this has to be featured. But I have suffered for you these 26 years. Where could I go to now? My wife is dead and my children have forgotten me. I have nowhere to go. Marcus, I managed to not rise with Peter's head on the floor. Ivan Dimitrich, forgive me. When he flogged me with the knout, it was not so hard to bear as it is to see you now. You should pity on me and do not tell. For Christ's sake, forgive me. Rich that I am. And he began to sob. When Askinov heard him just sob, he too began to weep. God will forgive you. Maybe I am a hundred times worse than you. And at these words, his heart grew light and the longing for home left him. He had no longer had any desire to leave the prison, but only hoped for his last hour to come. In spite of what Askyonov had said, Marcus Eminich confessed his guilt. But when the order for his release came, Askyonov was already dead. Today is 21st December. I have a reason for bringing this story to you. written about 140 years ago so such an old story such a classic should remain to us as a lesson that comes in from the story title God sees truth, but waits. Some of us are destined for some things that we might know are not responsible for and we don't deserve, and we don't deserve. But if we look at Makasemunich, what goes around comes around. He did it wrong. About 26 years later, he came to Siberia. He paid for his sins by meeting Askyonov and begging for forgiveness. And could not complete his deed to set Askyonov free. Because he no more lived to get the release. So, if you ask my opinion, I would say it's a deep story, which, which just a person like me, who has some experience with literature, can give a certain opinion for this heartfelt story. The Utold story has beautifully accounted what prison life could be through the eyes of an innocent man who had to suffer because
because of a murder he did not commit. The court gave the most precious gift, which is not valueless. Death. I know. You might say that there are more, that there are much better gifts that life gives us, but this is the only one which is not revealed and has an immense value in our lives. Outside it's quite cold and I cannot go out anymore for the wood. And cinders now lie in the fireplace. That means no more coffee. <laughs> well, 31st December it is. The last day of 2023. So, it's time you start preparing for the new year to come. And I welcome it with open hands. So, I know you're all making New Year resolutions, so what if I help you with adding a new one? Believe in God, for He sees the truth, and will make sure that everything goes right for you. That's all I have to say. This is me, Abinish, signing off for today. I'll meet you next year on January 1st, 2024. Until then, for the next 12 hours, take care. And, as I already said, welcome to New Year with open hands. Goodbye, listeners. Stay tuned to return to each podcast for more such book reviews. And I'll meet you again next year. Goodbye. See you. So long. Farewell. Off we desehe. Goodbye. And take care. Goodbye.